Why settle for just living a good life? When you can live a life optimized to achieve your human potential, learn all the hacks that will transform your life from average to extraordinary. Welcome to Life Optimized with functional medicine expert, Dr. Neil Palvin. So welcome to another great episode of the Life Optimized podcast. I am Dr. Neil Palvin, your host for today. And this is the podcast where you learn how to optimize your life, health, and business. And today we have a really great guest, Wade Lightheart, uh, who has a very interesting pathway to coming to us today. He was a national natural bodybuilding champion times three. Uh, he's now one, uh, the one advisor to the uh, Cancer Society, and he's also a member and head of BioOptimizers, one of my favorite uh, supplement companies. And they have a book coming out in the end of September called The Nutrition Bible, which I'm really excited to get into. I heard some of the details of what it's about, and it's a different slant on diet that I've not seen in any other book that's out there. But first, welcome, Wade. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, and uh, thanks for coming on. <clears throat> thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here, and uh, hopefully we can add some value to your listeners. I have a feeling that's not going to be a problem. So, so first you start off in bodybuilding, and you're on the on the natural side, which I'm, I've I have a couple of friends and colleagues who've done it, and it's a definitely a different vibe and energy than the uh, some of the other competitions. So, how did that evolve, and did that lead to anything else that you went into afterwards? Sure, um, I think bodybuilding to give the devil its due, the the they are the original biohackers. And why I say that, if you look at what bodybuilders are trying to achieve, they're trying to overcome millions of years of evolutionary tendencies. And that is one, to build an excess amount of muscle and two, to build, uh, you know, suboptimal levels of body fat relative to, to those are correlating to survival mechanisms. So they're trying to overcome those by those uh, genetic traits because there just wasn't enough food going around evolutionary wise and too much muscle was not necessarily conducive to long-term success. And so bodybuilders develop, you know, the tr use of first training various machines and exercises equipment. And then in order to increase the muscle mass past, you know, normal levels, they had to, you know, go to specialized diets and dietary strategies. And then eventually that went into nutritional supplementation. If you go back to say, you know, Vince Garanda and the wild physique today's, and then came the you know, cornucopia of pharmaceuticals and things like that, that, you know, now permeates the sport today. But many of the discoveries that were, you know, pioneered by bodybuilders are now leveraged by biohackers as well as the anti-aging field and the radical experimentation of bodybuilders. And obviously it's a, it's a radical sport has given rise to what I think uh, is where we are in biohacking today. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're definitely the original biohackers. I've heard. I mean, the amount of stuff legal and sometimes illegal that they were kind of dabbling, and they're definitely the experiment of one on themselves. And they, but they know it down to the the itty bitty diet. They know from the beginning of their training to the day before the competition exactly what they need to do. And they were the first people, or one of the first types of groups that looked at that data as much as they could, even. 20 years ago, like Schwarzenegger and all the way up to where we are now, which is again, a different total vibe. So it's, it's, it's kind of, again, like that they are the originators. So did that, did that, when did you stop doing the bodybuilding? Well, I got into bodybuilding as a teenager. What happened is my, my sister was diagnosed with cancer and she was dying, uh, over the course of four years, we were moved to a rural area and, you know, she was getting sick on the way home from the hospital, from all the chemotherapy and radiation. I remember thinking to myself, God, you know, like, shouldn't like, shouldn't like, if you're trying to be healthier, overcome an illness, shouldn't you try and move towards better health? She gave me a bodybuilding magazine with uh, muscle and fitness. I remember it had Troy Zaclato on the cover and uh, he was one Mr. California and had all that kind of Arnold-esque kind of uh, marketing behind him. And he looked vital and strong. And so in my naive 15-year-old self, I thought, oh, if I build muscles and look like that, two things are going to happen. One, I'll be healthy. And two, maybe I'll get the girls that are on the cover as well. So I started lifting and training and went to university, studied exercise physiology. You know, I you know read Evolution of a Bodybuilder or, or edu Education of a Bodybuilder, excuse me, by Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
who was dominating the movie scenario. And it looked like a great idea. Build muscles, get girls, be in the movies, live in California, train at Gold's Gym. I thought, hey, that, that, that seems better than the you know, frozen winter here with no prospects of anything and, and you know, nowhere, Canada. So I got onto that. And after I went to university for four years, I was really disappointed. And why I was disappointed is there was a, co a collection of information or, you know, here's how your physiological system works. Here's how your, bio, you know, your biological mechanisms or your biochemistry works. But there was very little real world application for what it was going on. I had been engaged in a particular routine of high intensity training that had lowered my uh, heart rate by about 10 beats per minute. And this is back in 1990s, early 1990s. And I went to all my exercise physiology professors and I asked them, here's what I've been doing for the last year. My resting heart rate has dropped this point, this amount. What's the reason for that? Nobody could answer the question. Like all of my professors at university couldn't answer this simple question. And I was like, what do these guys know? And so I began uh, on a journey of finding mentors who could help me achieve my physique goals and concordantly, you know, fell into the nutrition industry as well as, as part as a point of interest, working in stores and uh, being a sales rep eventually. And then, you know, then I worked in gyms. Then I ended up starting my own uh, nutrition store while I was personal training. So I got to learn that not only was there very different dietary strategies and supplement strategies, but those applied to a, ho a whole different applications. So, you know, how you trained a 70-year-old hairdresser versus a 22-year-old bodybuilder, uh, you know, with very different goals and outcomes and very different genetics and very different metabolic uh, components was radically different. And then I kind of understood why you needed to be able to build a set of formulas or a set of structures that you could apply as a framework to allow people to produce the result they want. And I became known as one of the who's who trainers in Vancouver, Canada. And at the same time, my business partner in Bioptimizers, Matt Gallant, he also had moved out. We had become friends. We had met at a bodybuilding contest years before. We became friends. And he was training people in Vancouver. I helped him come out there. And, and what was interesting is Matt was a ketogenic guy. I'm a plant-based guy. And most of my clients are neither plant-based or ketogenic. And so we got into a lot of arguments about what the best strategy was and you can you know you can enter into any form on the internet today and see all those arguments still going on you know 20 plus years later from where we were and they were probably happening 20 years before we started and the reality was is there's a variety of different applications opportunities and liabilities within any dietary strategy and with any nutritional strategy and when you look at your genetics what your outcome goal is and what is your sustainable lifestyle very few people are talking about those three components and how you can apply them to virtually any dietary strategy to create what we call the optimal outcome. And so after 20 years of, uh, I would say, really uh, spirited discussions between Matt and I, we were able to craft a variety of principles that, we, that anybody could apply using technology today to optimize for whatever their goal is, whatever their lifestyle is, and as well as what their genetics are. So list those three, I heard, list those three factors for the listeners one more time, because that, those are, some of those are not what you hear all the time regarding getting their outcome that they want. So it's genetics? Yes. Genetics, goals, and lifestyle. So let me give you a, a quick breakdown of how those might flesh out. You know, and I'll give you a personal example. Last year, at 50 years old, I decided I was going to do a bodybuilding contest. I hadn't done a bodybuilding contest in, you know, uh, what was it, 50, 15 years or something like that. And I said, hey, I'm going to be 50. I want to just come back and see what I can do as a natural bodybuilder and, and come back. Well, I came back, won a competition, went back to the world championships again at, at 50 years old, which was pretty remarkable. But I switched gears immediately after that contest and took up running because bodybuilders aren't known for running, applied the same, a different set of strategies. Obviously my genetics didn't change and ran my first marathon six months later. So 
those two different lifestyle or those two different outcomes required a change in training strategy, dietary strategy, lifestyle strategy, even though my genetics didn't change inside of that. So my goal changed and then I had to correlate what lifestyle components I needed to put in and then apply to my genetics. And, you know, your body goals tend to change over time. And I'll give you another example. We use, we have a, what we call the biological optimization triangle called, and it's aesthetics, performance, and health. Most people get attracted into the fitness and nutrition industry for an aesthetic goal. They want to look better. They want to lose weight. They want to gain some muscle, whatever that happens to be. It's usually a cosmetic interest. As a person matures through time and they, you know, you get into your career or your working life, you don't have time to be, you know, looking good at the beach all the time. You're usually leaning more towards, you know, performance, you know, executives, performers, people in, you know, high intensity education pursuits, or if they are managing a very busy lifestyle with a family, et cetera, things like that. Those are going to be factors that are involved. And then the final piece of the equation is what are the genetics that you're looking at? And when you're looking for a long-term solution, health, you know, the things that your diet or exercise program doesn't address relative to your individual genetics are the things that, you know, create suboptimal health or poor health outcomes over time. And I can give you some specific examples personally, if you want to dive into that. Definitely uh, go into that in one second, but I want to bring up, bring up genetics. So the genetics part, is that is that something, were we talking doing a 23andMe? Are we doing a full DNA? Are these basic things that anybody can kind of look into? When you say genetics, that could, with our technology now, that can mean so many different things. Where specifically do people need to look for to, to get that, to get that physique or whatever the desired goal may be? Well, great question. So y- there's a lot of different and, genetic programs that are available right now that you can get and they're they're varying in how comprehensive they might be and i think you know 23andme is a start but i think there's some other tests that you can go and you know there's tests that are 200 bucks tests that are 500 bucks tests that are a couple of thousand dollars i've done most of them and some of them how they're pre pre-developed for outcomes for example you can take true diagnostics which is looking at maybe say longevity perspectives. Um, you know, the DNA company is cr- creating one that is looking at, pr- you know, particular um, health risks that you may engage in over time. So if you're, let's say you're doing stem cells or, you know, V cells or exosomes or something like that, you can do true diagnostics and actually see the impact from a longevity perspective relative to their algorithms that they've developed uh, on, on genetics. So there's the test And then there's the subset of algorithms that you're applying to look at your outcomes. And then if you take, say, like, you know, you go to a company like the DNA company, I'll give you an example. And and I'm I'm not, you know, advocating for any particular brand, but you can kind of study around based on your outcome. So looking at a longevity perspective for myself, because that's something uh, we have a goal of living to healthily to 100 and beyond. Inside that situation, I look at my genetics and I have two Three interesting suboptimal genetic pieces. One is I have a double gene that's poor for cardiovascular outcomes. Number two, I have a suboptimal gene for blood sugar management. And number three, I have a, a, you know, a, a gene particularly that doesn't create food satiety easily. Okay, so let's take those three things from a longevity perspective and I'll give you a breakdown of how I've applied it and how someone else could do the same thing if they have this information. So wanting to live as long, as healthy as possible, as long as possible, if I was to follow a traditional bodybuilding diet, which has, you know, a high amount of animal protein, moderate level of really clean carbohydrates and very low body fat or low fat intake, most coming from, you know, inadvertent animal fats. My blood sugar stability is, it, my blood sugar stability is going to be excellent. However, when I get around 70 or 80 years old, the likelihood that I have a cardiovascular rank uh, incident, that's a heart attack or a stroke goes up exponentially based on my, based on that profile. The other thing is, um, 
you know, that diet is particularly good from a satiety factor. So I could probably manage my blood sugar because I'm not going to get that hungry. So I was like, okay, well, if you look at cardiovascular risk for people on a plant-based diet, it's excellent outcomes. The challenge is it's, it's suboptimal for blood sugar regulation. Okay. And there's, uh, from a satiety perspective, you're not getting a lot of protein and protein is one of the most satisfying foods that you can eat. That's why bodybuilders have a high protein diet and a calorie deficit to lose all that body fat because they're not as hungry as someone else. Now, if I go to a straight plant-based diet without addressing those issues, I'm going to eat too much plant-based foods. I'm probably going to, you know, be really hard to maintain a lifestyle where, I, where I'm going to, you know, start buying, uh, you know, really refined foods to kind of make up this calorie because I don't have that delay switch on my, you know, how much food I consume. So I'm not going to regulate that very well. So what I did is I took a bodybuilding mentality. I increased my protein intake and I concentrated on jacking up my fiber because, you know, you can't get, you know, at a 200 pounds, I can't get 200 grams of protein or 250 grams of protein on a plant-based diet like most, you know, bodybuilders would do if they were eating a meat-eating book. But I can up my fiber intake to ridiculous levels, which increases my satiety, helps regulate my blood sugar, and I have uh, optimized my digestion so I convert all the protein I'm eating into the amino acids that recreates my recovery, and I'm supplementing with an essential fatty acid uh, that's based from an, al uh, an algae source, and I've covered all my bases. I've reduced my cardiovascular risk. I've addressed my suboptimal satiety components so that I can stay on the diet easily. And I've optimized my blood sugar to the point that when you take a HOMO IR test, it looks like I got, uh, you know, I'm on a ketogenic diet or something like that. But, you know, that was a bit of finagling. So Matt has a completely different strategy as a ketogenic person. And he applies the same frameworks to optimize for his outcomes. What's great about what Wade is saying is he's doing two two different really great things he's doing is combining it into one big idea. A, he's he's one he knows his data and he knows what his goals are with with weight loss or building muscle or living to hundred all the things that he mentioned. You need to know your data. If you're just guessing what your what your genetics are, or what your labs are, your your the chance of you getting there would be almost sheer luck. Second, he then he know what his goals are and he developed a plan. He's for himself. Would that plan work for me? I'm not plant-based. It probably would not be the my program, but it doesn't matter. So what it, what is great, what he's discussing, what goes into the book that we're talking about in a little bit is you want a program that works for you. If you talk with an expert or a trainer and they have the same cookie cutter program that for you and your friend and Joe Bob down the street, that may, that's a really big kind of red flag because especially in these type, all these major goals, None of us are going to get there the same way. So it's really cool how they're, he's implementing all these different things into one. And then it's also great that he has part of a big supplement company. So you can make these things in the lab and figure out what works best. And I've, I've, I've met Matt once or twice at conferences and things. And you guys, I mean, are kind of like, in the, like little kids in the lab sometimes trying to get all this stuff together. So we went from that to the supplement company. So what philosophies did you maintain from the weightlifting part of your life to now to then and what things did you kind of put away what was what are you now concentrating on more in terms of your lifestyle and then in terms of what you want bio optimizers what they've already been i mean they have everybody talks about the magnesium i'll admit i love the notopia product i'm going to get into hopefully in a little bit so how did what went from a to b and what kind of changed when you're not trying to put on as much mass as possible yeah great question well you know it's interesting about we have a biological engineering lab in uh, Bosnia. Uh, we got about 30 PhDs and master students doing literally around the clock experiments um, in order to kind of prove out what happens. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about genetics and I think that's provided a great, um, you know, insight into what's right for the individual. And we have about 22,000 genes or something like that, uh, you know, for the human genome. But we've got like literally millions when you're talking about the genetic variants within your microbiome. So the first thing that bioptimizers recognize, it was that we need to be able to optimize a person's digestive system because the thing with all diets is all diets work for a while and then they don't. And that's supported by the evidence that 97% of people who begin a diet will actually in gaining all the weight back. They don't, they don't hit their goals. And, you know, very few people are living healthily 
you know, in their 80s, 90s, and 100s, it's almost a crapshoot. And I think that we can legitimately leverage science to live healthily to 100. In other words, uh, what we call the biospan, that you're relatively functional in your 80s, 90s, and 100s, instead of just having the odd outlier out there. And so microbiome uh, is the diversity within your bacteria culture. So you have enzymes that break down the first part of your food. You have hydrochloric acid, which is involved in disinfecting from all the pathogens, as well as changing the pH to optimize your digestion. And then the third piece is the various types of bacteria strains in which is called your microbiome. And these little organisms live symbiotically in the body and they convert all of your food into the building blocks and energy units. So the only thing that does any work in your body is actually enzymes and uh, which are, we call bioworkers, which activate over 25,000 or accelerate over 25,000 different chemical processes in their body and bacteria, which convert literally everything we eat. And so this, this relationship is really critical to optimizing your health and be able to deliver the nutrients to your body. And it's very, the variance between individuals is significant. So if you put someone on a carnivore diet for three months or actually even three weeks versus someone that's on a plant-based diet, their microbiome is going to radically be different. And therefore you need to optimize both their digestive uh, capacity as well as what they're delivering to their body from a nutrient. So it's not, you're not what, you're, uh, you, what you eat, you're what you digest, absorb and utilize. That has both a biological component, your genetic component and a biodiversity or your microbiome component. And so when you understand that, then you can really make, you, you can be successful on almost any diet, regardless of your genetics. You just have to be able to supplement around it or take the right bacteria cultures or right digestive aids, because maybe that fits your lifestyle. And in order to determine that, we created a nutritional pyramid of decisions that you have to factor in, in order to be successful long-term. And then for most people, I'm sure they're doing some type of stool test out there. There's numerous ones out there that give the information that, that Wade is talking about. I mean, the things that we want to look at is diversity of the microbiome. They're specific. I mean, Wade mentioned insulin at the beginning. We'll look at like certain back microbiome components like acromancy and things like that. And then also butyrate and things like all those different components are going to play into what Wade is talking about. So you get, the, again, get the data, then they have the information in terms of these algorithms or pyramids that are going to get you that next step data first, and then you can embark on your goal. Uh, and then, <clears throat> so once people know that data, you're saying that th we can use that data for whatever diet they specifically feel good. Like, like I said, I am never gonna, I, I can do keto, I cannot do a plant-based diet. So you could, I could have a different plan than you can and hopefully get to the same goal of putting on mass or running a marathon or, I mean, if you can make me live to a hundred, then you have a whole new uh, uh, niche there. But uh, so that's what you guys are with, with the book and, and, and the products you have coming out can hopefully kind of coexist all together. Exactly. So, you know, we, we created this book here. It, it, it's literally a Bible. Like this is a huge reference and we show how to successfully navigate all the different outcomes, all the different major dietary strategies and how to look at your individual challenges and opportunities. So of course, you know, you know, someone who has great genetics for cardiovascular health, their upper end ceiling might be much better from an athletic perspective than, you know, like cycling or swimming or running. And they probably enjoy those sports a lot better than maybe weightlifting. And some people who's very mesomorphic and has, you know, uh, you know, optimal mTOR response, like a Ronnie Coleman type, they're born to build muscle. They just don't have the limitations that maybe a, you know, a hardcore ectomorph might have. So there are going to be certain genetic limitations and biases, but I think virtually anybody can look good and, and, and feel good and operate their best on whatever diet fits their lifestyle uh, with this Bible. And I think it gives you a set of questions to take to your professionals you know, and we are big believers in getting the appropriate professional to give you their specific expertise to help you make better choices and to make the little tweaks in your diet or in your exercise routine or in your overall lifestyle approach that allows you to live your best life. And I mean, I deal with it all the time in the office. Are there two or three 
factor is that patient people who want to, again, let's just say lose weight or build muscle, kind of have to automatically buy into no matter what di- their diet du jour is. Is it they? I mean, again, obviously it's caloric restriction. It's to a certain extent. It's obviously exercise. There are certain things that people, no matter where they're going, have to buy into. Because I have patients come to me and say, "I just, I don't care. I just want to lose twenty pounds. I don't want to go to the gym. I don't. I'm like." I just raise my hand up and say, I'm, I, I don't know what to do with this. But what do people who are motivated do? What are two or three things that they need to kind of start with and to move forward? Great question. So um, the research has shown a couple of key components. If you're going to um, lose body fat persist, you know, over time and maintain it off, the best strategy is to add resistance training into your diet so that you can keep your metabolism revved and address uh, loss of muscle on calorie restriction. The next thing that people need to look at is if you're trying to lose weight, it's a calories in calories out model. You have to create a, a sustainable calorie deficit over time and periodic strategic breaks within that diet that is going to allow you to maintain your metabolism. And then the third piece to that is on once they achieve their optimal goal, how to reverse diet out of that. And this is your your strategy after you reach your goal is the where the people screw up the most. It's one thing to lose 20 pounds. The second piece is to keep it off because you're going to default back to maybe your lifestyle parameters or what happens in a lot of people is they they lose so much muscle or they they their metabolism slows so much that even in a small calorie surplus, they start gaining weight after and freaking out and think, oh, I can't do it, or my hormones are off, or all these other things. And it's because they just didn't have the right strategy post their desirable weight goal. That's just one example. So level three, so when when there's so much different data out there, out there now, in terms of resistance training, are you encouraging, are we talking, can it be a 15-minute high-intensity workout? Does it have to be 30 minutes doing a certain amount of sets, or is it obviously variable on the person? Because I get that question all the time. Yeah, there's two, there's two components. It's, it's going to, t- it's, it, whether you are in the building or active stage, like where you're trying to build muscle, or you're trying to maintain muscle, or you're trying to lose weight, are going to determine how much, how frequently, and also your age and recovery components. So let's assume that you have your dietary uh, strategy locked in. If you're building muscle, you're probably going to need at least three to f- as many as six weight training workouts a week. If you're trying to build muscle over and above, say five or 10 pounds, you you know, first 12 weeks, you can do almost anything and be successful, you know, two or three times a week, 30 minutes a day, be great. When you get into HIIT training, uh, that tends to be more effective as you're younger than as you're older. As you get older, your body often can't take the impact or recovery components that HIIT intake. So usually two HIIT workouts per week is certainly enough to maintain muscle mass and produce a lot of results, but it's often suboptimal from a calories in, calories out in a weight loss scenario, or if you're trying to build muscle in the body. And then here's the cool part though. Once you've achieved your optimal outcome, let's say you you, you like the way you look, you like how much muscle mass you have, you need about 20% of the exercise you were doing to get there in order to maintain it. Good data. And then we're patient, do you, again, different strokes for different folks out there. Are you encouraging your clients to, or the people who read the book to train to failure? Cause it, again, is, it, is there a certain, is everybody different in terms of how hard they need to be doing that training for if they are doing three to six times a week, depending on what their goals are? Absolutely. The, the variance on that is pretty significant. We actually included a, a there's an, an app that comes with it, you can scan it in. And we have a whole system of training analysis that allows you to actually pick exercise routines, weight training exercise routines. So I, I, both Matt and I were trained exercise physiologists, kinesiologists, things like that. And we built a large personal training business. We coach tens of thousands of people between the two of us. So we build out systems based on your goals and outcomes. That being said, if you have an injury, Um, if you're in suboptimal hormone aspects, maybe you're in your late thirties, forties or fifties or beyond, you're probably going to want to look at, you know, some specifics on any mechanical 
challenges that you might have from old injuries or suboptimal range of motion components that would, you know, keep you from doing certain exercise components. That's where you're a professional on that side. And two, if your hormones are suboptimal and there's a great number of people after 40 that have suboptimal hormones, you're definitely going to want to work with a naturopathic doctor that's familiar with uh, hormone regulation so that you make sure that you optimize your hormones as well as your training strategy to go with your diet strategy. If you do all those three things, your, your success is literally guaranteed. And the confidence that you have in engaging goes up so you're not falling prey to getting trapped in an internet loop where, oh, well, so-and-so expert said this and this other expert said the other thing. And, you know, my favorite, you know, 20-year-old athlete says you should do this. Well, yeah, a 20-year-old athlete is not a 55-year-old, you know, lady who's, you know, post-menopausal and has had three children. You know, it's just, you're not dealing with the same person. As, as much as we know, there'll be there's there's water out there. There will be thirteen thousand different opinions on how to optimize your workout, and they're not going to agree. It's just again finding what works for you because I, I've it. Everybody's different, and it, it's kind of a kind of a just people do what they want. They feel that worked for them. So you mentioned that you have to have the plan after, and then we're seeing that. I mean, from everything from people who are trying to like berberine or a natural way or caloric restriction, people who are on Ozempic Manjuro, which is a whole nother. I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole for this podcast but it's the same thing you need to have a plan afterwards to understand that you can't you can't just go back to square one you have to know what what you're going to do afterwards to maintain what you already put all that work and do which is, you said is sometimes the hardest part otherwise everything goes back to where you were so what are you telling p people who read the book or who you train in terms of what they need to think about the top one or two things to think about when they have stopped either a weight loss protocol or a muscle building or some combo of both yeah so what we're talking about essentially is your pyramid of nutritional decisions and i'll run through them really quickly the foundation of the pyramid is spiritual and cultural commitments and emotional and psychological needs so for example i have uh friends in the hindu culture who have a high percentage of plant-based diets even though maybe plant-based might be suboptimal for some of them the cultural commitments you know preemptively don't allow them to, you know, eat animal-based proteins. Okay, fine. So that's got to be factored in. Emotional and psychological needs. So if we take Matt and I as examples, Matt is a, he likes to have, you know, what he calls a, a refeed, you know, on a week-to-week -week basis because he feels if he's too restrictive, it, it's not good for him psychologically. I, on the other hand, I'm one of those guys that I prefer to be kind of like a dietary cyborg. Here's my diet. I'm eating the same thing every day. I'm, there's very little variance and I can do that ad infinitum to achieve my goal. That's the third piece. What's your goal? If you're eating to, you know, be an endurance runner or a weight trainer, or you're eating for cognitive performance, your dietary strategy can vary significantly. So maybe like a ketogenic diet and a one meal a day on uh, a, a ketogenic, like, you know, for cognitive optimization with lots of nootropics, that's your best goal. Then if you're putting in triathlete, you know, triathlete model, you're going to have to be, you know, really boosting up your calories because your energy expenditure, you're going to have to eat maybe multiple times a day, maybe have multiple training sessions a week. Uh, and then you get into the calories and macros that are going to fit within the goal. Nutrigenomics, in other words, how you turn off and on your, you know, your optimal and suboptimal genetics. Your gut biome, which these all fat go under diet optimizers, like what's what bacteria cultures are right for you based on your diet? What supplements are best for you? So for example, if you have suboptimal or blood sugar regulation and you're on a high, relatively high carbohydrate diet, maybe you're adding something like blood sugar breakthrough to stabilize your blood sugar. And then you're looking at food allergies and sensitivities. And ultimately at the top is the lifestyle, your final key to sustainability, which is basically you know, what are you going to be able to do for the long term? Because at the end of the day, we end up, we kind of end up at the, the base of the health, you know, we're trying to maintain as the best health we can as we get older. And that's those, those focuses, you know, alter over time. And this way you can seamlessly go between your outcome goals and know what things to ask, where to tweak, where not to tweak by using a book, as opposed to trying to figure it all out yourself and then leveraging the appropriate professionals to give you the data that you require to make those decisions. So it's kind of going to be a three-part process. It's not three-part, three-people process. Them, 
taking that book, understand, get themselves those questions answered, and then working with the appropriate professional, be it a naturopath and a trainer, and then kind of making that nice, perfect soup together to get where they want to get to. Yeah, and, and they can produce radically you know, better results than the general public because you've got a, a far improved strategy. And a lot of people who go into the diet game, they're, they're using a half-baked strategy that's not sustainable over their time. They're violating, you know, core aspects of their psychological, emotional, and maybe even genetic makeup. And, you know, they kind of grind their way to success and then they blow up afterwards. They go back to or get worse than before. And they say, oh, well, you know, it's just not for me. And that's what, you know, as, as, as a dietary expert and someone that's been in the field my entire life, I think everyone who is a professional in the field have to take ownership for the fact that so many people are failing. So many people are gaining, like, you know, if you look at the health outcomes and obesity levels and stuff, well, the reality, reality is, is we haven't been sharing the proper message to the general public. So we're at blame. And our goal is, you know, we're not throwing any in with this book, we're not throwing any diets under the bus. We're not throwing any genetics. We're not throwing any cultural aspects under the bus. We're saying, here's the things that you, you, you know, you kind of twist the plot adventure. You go, okay, you know, I'm a I'm a keto, I like ketogenic diets. I want to optimize for cognitive performance, and I've got cardiovascular risks uh, according to my genetics. Okay, so I know those three things. What do I need to do? The book gives you the strategies or the tactics. First, the strategy, and then the tactics that are going to allow you to be successful using that. And if you want to change later on, you can. And if you want to stay the same, that's fine. You, you got it down and away you go. That's what's great about where you you guys are going with this is we're finally, I think, starting to go away a little bit from the really small niche diet. Okay, you're again, like you said, you're keto, you're carnivore, you're this, you're that, into big picture know your macros, know your data, know what your goals are, and then we can mix and match the rest of that stuff to get you to your goal. It doesn't have to be everybody's got to go down the same pathway and doesn't it won't work. So I think that's kind of luckily I think the paradigm is finally starting to go a little bit the other way that people aren't on these ridiculous diets that they're not sustainable and they then they go back to where they were, they're all depressed and like, well, no diet works for me or um they pull out these terms weight loss resistance or um I'm big whatever unfortunate cliche that they bring up now. So do you guys incorporate any type, I know you mentioned the data, like the lab data part, are, is any part of the book in mentioning or discussing like wearables, like an HRV monitor or CGM, or that's kind of, patients can kind of mix and choose on their own? Oh yeah, we give a, a wide array of the technology and tests that you may wish to apply relative to those factors, your goals, your lifestyle, and your genetics. So, for example, if you're trying to optimize for blood sugar regulation because you have a history of diabetes in the industry and, and obesity, well, you know, a continuous glucose monitor would be great. And maybe looking at a genetics test to see which dietary strategy is going to be more optimal for your ability to metabolize the food that you're eating. And then you might pick some supplements that are going to assist you on that process because you got yourself down. You know that, hey, ketogenics right for me or paleo is right for me or if it fits your macros like a lot of bodybuilders follow is, is better for you and because it gives you more variety and makes things easier for you because you travel a lot so all of those things are factored in there and what's it, it becomes exciting because now you're not in the you know throwing darts at a dartboard or falling prey to cult dynamics that occur in you know that occur inside of you know kind of what i call diet cults which is you know, if you're a ketogenic, you can only do this and this is the only way. Well, you know, if you know, you take a look at a high fat diet, there's tremendous amounts of benefits to a high fat diet. But what you might not know is that there are certain fats that your body's going to metabolize really well and some fats that won't. And that's going to vary quite significantly for an individual. So as a, someone on a ketogenic diet, maybe you do better on saturated fats than someone else or different types of fats. Uh, are more optimal for your physiology. And you can determine that relatively quickly uh, using the book. And that was going to make your transition into that diet or the success of that diet much easier and much faster than any other way without saying, I can only do this or I have to eat bacon every day like so-and-so on the internet does. So 
it sounds like you're gonna you guys have done is taken away a lot of the like you said the cult or like the cliches from every specific diet and again people can individually kind of take whichever chap I don't chapter in the book or section of the book that they're looking at and, and make it work for them yeah a lot of a lot of keto people think they have to eat bacon a lot of carnivores think they're eating red meat every day and again there's different all these different kind of cliches are I think are, are making things worse not better in a lot of different ways so we talked a we talked a lot about diet and, and getting to your goals and nutrition goals. What are the what, what didn't we mention? What are the top what are the two ideas that we that people need to understand? Again, is it mindset? Is it okay, making through that first two weeks? Is it seeing the goals in the mirror? Is it uh, understanding the rebound effect? Is it all of the above? What are those two factors that people need to understand to really get to that goal? I well, I think is is your 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 post goal. Number one is picking the right strategy to get to your goal. And number two is what's your strategy after your goal is reached? If I would look at, even in my own life, and I'll give you where I've figured this out early on, unfortunately, when I competed at the Mr. Universe in 2003, I get, after that contest, I gained 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks. I went from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow. Why? Because I didn't understand reverse dieting. I was on a restricted calorie diet for an extended period of time. And you see this with some of the major uh, companies out there that are advocating highly restrictive diet and offsetting hormone shots and things like that in order to sustain yourself over time. And then people's metabolism gets destroyed and they're, you know, they get to their goal and they, you know, they lose 40, 50, 60 pounds. Or we saw what happened with the biggest loser contest. We kind of go into a, an explanation of why that happened to so many of those people who lost tremendous amounts of weight and had all this success. And then, you know, a year or two later, they're back in worse condition than they were before. Why did that happen? Because their post-diet strategy wasn't figured out. And, and that, I think, is the area where people mess up the most. I did. I learned from it. And now coming out of those things... Um, I share with people, if your, your strategy to get to your goal is one thing, your strategy to get there is even more important because otherwise, or to stay there because you're, other, you're going to default to the old paradigm and, and probably do more damage than if you've never dieted before. No, I, I totally agree. And again, the biggest, the biggest loser mess up, I think is such an illustration. Of that. I mean, that's also a TV, tele, a TV reality series. So that makes even their diet more distorted and you have... Bob Harper yelling and whoever or whatever I can the female's name on the show yelling at people and then it was it it just unfortunately made them worse and they and some of them unfortunate heart issues and so on down so it's just again you need to have that post strategy not do crash or as you call them the cult diet so um you meant one more question regarding the diet that I always get asked and I'm, I'm gonna ask the expert here is is when is there, a, is there a timeline when people should pay attention to the results? Like I have patients who the two days out are weighing themselves or they're checking their muscle size and saying, well, this isn't doing anything for me. Is there that like that first step, that first check mark where, okay, three months, three, uh, a month in, six weeks in where you can say, okay, now let me see where I am. Is this working or not working? Yeah, we, we talk about that inside of the book. And so First off, when people are dieting, and it all depends on how much weight you have to lose and how long that you've allotted to do that are going to determine some response. So for example, you, if you're, you know, in the obese category where you, you know, you're over, you know, 30% body fat and probably ha at least half the population is in that zone. Almost any diet that you do initially, you're going to see some initial results. Um, some of that will be just, or if you go on a ketogenic diet, for example, you, you'll water loss results will give you a false indication of how much fat loss. So one of the key elements that you can incorporate is a DEXA scan or someone who's good at fat calipers. But if you're grossly overweight, yeah, grossly overweight, fat calipers are going to be very hard to see those benefits. So the evidence is showing a couple things. I would look at kind of hardcore scientific uh, like a DEXA scan or, uh, you know, one of those in-body scans or something like that, maybe every two, two weeks to four weeks, you know? So if you look at month to month outcomes, uh, from a scale standpoint, there's a lot of evidence that shows that daily weighing keeps people more disciplined psychologically, even though, and expect that you're going to see anywhere from three to 10 pounds 
shift on that scale on a day-to-day basis. And that's based on hydration levels, uh, you know, food bulk, uh, all of those things are going to impact that. But you want to see the trends staying or going down. That that check-in every morning. Like I get up and weigh myself every single morning. And from that, I also get data on my food. Did I get inflamed? Did I eat too much? Am I a little bit dehydrated? All that sort of stuff. And then when you correlate it with those tests like DEXA scan, which is showing subcutaneous fat, it's showing visceral fat, it's showing lean body mass, you're looking at hydration levels. Now you're getting a, a more accurate picture of what you're losing and what you want to... Co- look at closely is losing the adipose tissue. That's what you want to get rid of that fat. That's that makes you look fat. (laughs) Okay. And if you're concentrating on those things, then you just go down that process and you commit to it and you don't look at the other thing is, is psychologically don't look at a diet as I've got to lose 10 pounds by my sister's wedding, or I got to lose 20 pounds from my high school reunion or whatever that happens to be. That psychological strategy over time almost always fails. It can be a motivator in the interim, but without that motivation, when you hit that, when you hit that goal, you have better set another goal and a concordant strategy immediately, or you're going to regress backwards. Love it. And for, just for people listening out there, DEXA, this is not the DEXA scan that women get to check their bone structure. Make sure when you get a DEXA scan done, you let them know you're looking to do visceral fat and muscle mass because a lot of com- places don't do it. And they need to know what tests you're doing. And I've I've just had this happen to patients like hundreds of times already. So that, that's what you're looking for. This is the test that will probably be part of your physical in the next couple of years because it just shows, gives us so much usable data. So now the – so you – you're part of a, a great supplement company. You got the book coming out. Where are we heading in the next two to three years? What are we going to be talking about? What is the future of weight loss and building muscle and just being overall healthy? What are you excited about? I'm so excited. And I'll tell you where I think the key elements are. Uh, genetics, hormone op- uh, optimization, neurochemical optimization, which is basically for cognitive health biohacking devices that are correlated for your genetics. And what I mean by that is, is choosing the right bio, like some people are going to do well in cryo. Some people are going to do better on red light therapy. Some people are going to do well on atmospheric cell training. And then, and then what I would call the more advanced elements, which are, you know, exosomes, stem cells, V cells, uh, and eventually into, uh, you know, genetic editing. Those are where the future is going to be. Um, I'm actually working on building an algorithm uh, where we address all of these components from detoxification pathways, hormonal health, cardiovascular health, body fat, all that's like, there's about 15 different dynamics that you can look at just off my head. And then on, you know, on, on one axis and then the other axis is what are you going to put your lifestyle, your epigenetical triggers, your dietary triggers and all that and punch it into a computer so that it'll say, okay, over the next three to six months, you're going to focus on this thing. Once you hit that, the next three to six months, you're going to focus on this and you focus on this and focus on this. And I think that we're going to add uh, 20% more to the healthy lifespan in the population. So going back to the 1960s, and why do I say that? In the 1967, I'm from Canada, when they brought in social security, the life expectancy of a Canadian citizen was 67 years old. The the medical um, interventions, and largely part, I would say, this would be mostly within surgeries, advances, and you know, acute care, cardiovascular risk, the accessibility of ambulance and medical mm-hmm. services, increased life expectancy to about 80 years old. Over the last three or four years, that's actually going downwards to the fact that you know the medical industry as a whole is now, depending on what data you're looking at, the third or fourth leading cause of death through contraindications, uh, complications from surgery, a variety of things, and the disability-adjusted life expectancy is now down to 60 years old, according to Professor Oshansky in the New England Journal of Medicine. So what does that mean? Well, people are living to that you know, 75, 80 years old where they weren't before, but they're living in a compromised state that lasts 15 to 20 years. What I think we're going we're gonna to build on the backs of what was happening in the medical industry, and we're going to create these lifestyle components that preemptively address the issues that take people out early or, ta- or, or disrupt the quality of their life early on. And that means we should be able to 
over the course of my lifetime, be having people to live functionally in a great situation from 80 to 100 years old. And that next 20% jump, and I think it's doable, I think it's achievable, and I think you're gonna see more and more of it over time, and I'm really pumped to be on that, and that's what we're doing at, at Bioptimizers, because I think this is where the future is. Let's live long, let's live strong, let's enjoy the ride while we're here. Love it. So I, so I could take you could take all the companies that I see at all these biohacking conventions. I can put into you this program eventually and just know what I have to do and not have to do the, my own research or just kind of learn. Exactly. I that that would be great. It would answer a lot of questions for a lot of people who spend a lot of money on the wrong thing sometimes. So show so tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the book. Show the new the book one more time. This book for people who are listening is this is a book. This is not like a little paperback. This is a, like an encyclopedia of good knowledge here. So just check it out. The nutrient, the ultimate nutrition bible um, with Wade Lightheart and is I assume I can't, Matt and. Check definitely check it out coming out September 26th. There's going to be an audio book. It also comes with a video course that you can get, uh, which we go into all of the concepts and video and explain them out in detail, as well as an audio book and an app. So you can start adding your data because we're going to actually create more and more information that we help people uh, customize their own individual choices and be able to leverage the professionals that they need to make the most accurate decisions possible. Uh, we're available. You can get it at bioptimizers.com, all the big retail bookstores, Bioft and Amazon, all that sort of stuff. And we want to hear your feedback. We, we love doing this. We're both passionate. Matt and I fell in love with helping people lose weight and feel great. As trainers years ago, we built a company on it. We have an amazing uh, team of biologists and researchers. We're probably doing more research and biological experimentation with legitimate scientists than almost any other nutrition company you'll ever run into. And we've got great customer service. If you ever try any of our products, you don't like them, uh, we just give them your money back because we want you to continue to redeploy your money on the way that allows you to be achieve uh, maximum happiness, maximum health, and maximum success. And it's a lot of fun. We've got a lot of great friends out there. And uh, we think this book is a game changer. It's something in there for everybody, regardless of your age, regardless of your dietary strategy or or preferred method and will allow you to avoid the big mistakes. And I've made lots of them and I'd like to help other people avoid those mistakes as they go forward on their strategy. Sounds incredible. That's all the info that people ask me about. So I'm going to refer them all to that book and go to uh, bioptimizers.com for all the great supplements. They do have great customer service. I'm, I can test that firsthand. And thanks for coming on, Wade. And uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And for all you listening out there, um, try this book. I think it's going to revolutionize how you think uh, about your book and it, uh, or about your diet for both yourself and your family members. And I think it's going to be a, a favorite among all of the experts in the industry. I can't wait to check it out. Thanks for coming on. Have a great night. Thank you, sir. Bye. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a biohacker, or an athlete, if you're ready to take the next steps to optimize your life, visit drpaulvin.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-P-A-U-L-V-I-N.com.